Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Well, if the, the kid says he's a cat, I guess she's, he, we have to treat her, him or her or whatever as a cat. That's how crazy our life has become in this world, man. Um, but anyway, um, we'll continue to fight against the craziness and the insanity that's brewing. And the good news is we'll fight from our home uh, now um, next week, which thank God we're being in our building. And uh, obviously, it's been a long 12 years of, of wandering in the desert, and we're finally got our, got our home. So um, we're going to rejoice and, and, again, get ready for the next season of life, the next battle that we're facing. Um, just like Joshua, they were wandering in the desert. Now we're going into the promised land, but once you go in the promised land, you got to fight. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take on whatever the Lord's going to allow us to, to come into our lives, but Having a base of operation will change everything dramatically, um, and that's why I think we were resisted demonically. I think for this last year, it's been a we were supposed to be in last year, guys, and uh, we had just a series of demonic. Uh, I just I, that's all it is is demonic, man. Uh, delays, 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 because Satan doesn't want us in that area. It's not just because of the area; it's that. The, when a church has a base of operation, it actually becomes more efficient. It actually becomes more um, powerful uh, in the sense that um, people's perception of you changes. And uh, I mean, for the last 12 years, people's perception of us is that we're illegitimate because we don't have our own building. I know that sounds weird to you because you're sitting here, but to the outside community, the, the way people think is weird. Okay, and, and they, they just believe that if you don't have a building, you're not legitimate. So anyway, we have to, we have to f- face the cultural thing, and so we've made it. So that being the case, just like you heard in the, um, the announcement, um, we're going to have to do a few things differently uh, than we are doing here. And, and so obviously there's going to be four services because uh, we just simply won't have the space for, to fit everybody in each service. And so figure out kind of what service you want to go to. Um, follow the parking like you saw on, the, on this map thing, where to park, whatever service you're going to. And then basically what's going to happen, I had to, I had to uh, spread out the times. Uh, right now we're just like going back to back, back to back. Um, and I can't do that because of the parking issue. And so I have to have enough time between services to get that one group out and then the other group coming in so we don't have a, a clog up on Snow Road. So um, I, I, I had to change the times to 8, 10, and 12. And I know that might throw your schedule off a little bit, but it's the only way I can, I, I need to provide at least a half hour between services for that parking problem. And uh, of course, people getting their kids, getting them checked in and all that other stuff. And then the other thing too is, um, once we're full in one service, we're full. And, and that means that someone probably will be out there, one of our pastors or deacons or somebody out there was saying, okay, so yeah, so you're next in line for the next service. Um, and so my, my advice to you is, is whatever service you're, you're going to go to, try to get there earlier um, so you can beat the crowd, so to speak, and get a spot. Because um, remember, we're going into a smaller area. 
Uh, it's beautiful. It's everything. But remember, when we did this, this was five years ago. Um, we're running, you know, many times uh, quadruple the amount that we had when we first planned our building. And the money that we had at that time, five years ago, is different than we have now. Our budget five years ago was like about, I don't know, 500000 maybe six hundred, seven hundred thousand, 700000 somewhere. And now we have a $3 million budget now. So everything's changed. We run somewhere 600 to 700 people on a Sunday. Back then we were running 165. So it's different now. So when, we, when you build, you, had to, you have to build according to what you had at that point. But we're way too big now for that, that building. So um, bear with us. Uh, kind of just go with the flow. It is what it is. And uh, please understand that I'm planning to do phase two ASAP. And phase two is to build a worship service, another worship building on the east side lawn. Uh, that will seat about maybe 1,200 people. Um, and so that's phase two, but we got to do this one. So that means I have to have four services. So we'll do Sunday nights, okay? So at six o'clock. Sunday night will be a repeat of Sunday morning. So if you just say, I, don't wanna, I wanna sleep in, I don't, I don't wanna go to church because I've had a, a rough night on Saturday, then you can come Sunday night and, uh, you know, who knows what you were doing? I don't know. I hope you have something good. You're not uh, out honky-tonking at Trouts or something like that. <clears throat> and uh, so we can, uh, and so you can go uh, at six o'clock and it'll be the same service, same music, same everything, childcare, youth, the whole nine yards, because um, we realize we're going to have to provide an extra service in that. So that will be how our Sunday morning goes. Um, and then obviously you can see the egress and, uh, and uh, ingress on this map of how to go into the building. There'll be a lot of people there helping you park. There'll be a lot of their pe uh, people helping you, uh, uh, you know, get ready for service and go in. Um, the second thing I want to mention on this uh, this move that we have to do. We have to move everything this week, okay? And if you've already signed up, then you know that you're in a certain phase group, okay? So we have phase one. We want, we're, we're moving in stages this week. So if you're part of phase one move, you'll get a call and you'll be alerted that, hey, we're moving on this, this time and this date, we're moving. If you're like in phase two, phase three, phase four, or whatever, how many phases they have, uh, you'll get the call and then you'll move your, your particular things later that week, later this week, I should say. So we didn't want everyone at the same time, so we did it in phases to get everything over there. So um, uh, many of you have already signed up, so just wait for that call. They'll alert you, and then, um, then you can go and help us out that, that, uh, this week. And then tonight... Uh, is a marketplace meeting, which is important because, again, this is how we establish our exchange among the community of believers with food, water, you know, security. We, we establish, you know, communications and all that stuff that we want to do to take care of each other. So tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, come here, and Keith's leading that meeting, and we're going to talk a little bit more because we definitely need to expand our marketplace. We want, we want all the goods and services. We want communication. We want security for our own people, and it's important that we, we, we start doing this, especially in the day and time that we live in because I don't know what's coming as far as how it will affect our lives. I do, I do know what's coming in the sense that I know what the government's planning and doing. I know, what, what, I know the digital currency. I know all that's happening. 
and I know that the persecution that's coming has already started, and we will need each other more than ever, and we will need to come together and say, okay, how, what do we do as far as the black market is concerned? Because if we don't want to be on a digital currency and, what, and having the government watch what, exactly what we're doing, uh, if we don't want uh, mRNA in our meat, okay, you need to know where to get meat at that doesn't have, you know, mRNA injections because they plan to put this stuff in the meat. They're already doing it in some cases in pork. And, and they're trying to get this mRNA into you whether they, they, it's a, a plant-based or whether it's uh, protein-based. And so we want to make sure we have clean resources for people, clean food that doesn't have all that stuff because basically they want to kill us. And I know it's not a conspiracy theory, but uh, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, they're, they're doing this. Why would you start putting mRNA in meat for consumption? It just, okay, what are you trying to do? So that's tonight at six. So a lot of good things happening this week. Big transition, and so uh, I just say next week, figure out what service, try to get early, and so you can get a parking place and then get a seat, and uh, the parking obviously will be available to you in the asphalt, but we're asking our, um, our volunteers that are here for like three hours, there's a lot of people that are here for three hours, our staffing and all that, to park in the dirt area. Now, what we've done is we've sprayed down that dirt with some type of, what is it, sealant, Keith, or what is it? It says some type of sealant that's not gonna create dust and you're not tracking things in, so that sealant will last for a very long time. And so we're gonna, if you're a volunteer that are here multiple hours, right, park in the dirt area so we can reserve the other areas for guests and stuff like that, okay? And quite frankly, understand this too. You're gonna get a lot of looky-loos, okay? And you're gonna get a lot of, and just let me warn you, you're going to get a lot of looky-loos and, oh, a new church, and I'm sure this pastor's going to be tiptoeing through the tulips, and he's kind of the cotton candy type of guy, and I can't wait because this is real close to my home. And then they're going to hear me preach. And, <laughs> and at that point, be used to people just getting up and walking out because I will offend them. And that's okay because I have prayed to the Lord if, if branches need to be broken, then break them because we want people who are serious about their faith, not looky-loose, not, not you know, you know, the, the security comfort type of Laodicean Christian. The Laodiceans are not going to work in our church. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So don't be, don't, you know, don't be shocked if you, keep, you see people storming out or getting mad or upset about me because they're going to walk into our environment and they're, they're going to hear me talk about current events and talk about issues of the day and, and you know, prophecy or whatever I need to talk about. And I'm not going to change. So just want to give you a heads up. Just want to give you a heads up because uh, we've been flying under the radar for a long time. And uh, that's actually been a good thing. It's a protective thing that God has been doing. He's been sheltering us. But once you get a building and you're public now and you're out there, um, they're going to try you out. And uh, just want you to be prepared for that, okay? So it is what it is. And I don't care if a hair lips the Pope. If it, if it offends them, it offends them, all right? So anyway. <clears throat> um, now... <laughs> 
With that being said, let's move to our uh, sermon today, and we're going to be in Genesis 21, and uh, this is a, a, a very interesting passage because I think it's a very applicable passage to us, and I think what we want to start with is, is what the title is, is seeing the threat, and uh, one of the things that I think is lacking in Christianity today, especially in the West, is that Christians lack discernment. Now, I'm speaking to the choir because you have discernment, but most Christians have no clue what's going on, um, not only in the, in the world and you know, what's the, what the spiritual warfare is, uh, you know, is happening, but they don't have a clue about what's happening with them. That's the idea of Laodicea. If you read about Laodicean believers, they, they, they have a misunderstanding about their own spirituality. They, they're blinded to their own spirituality. They think they're blessed of God, but they're actually not. They're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, as Messiah says, to the Laodicean. So that means that they can't see threats. They lack discernment. So they can't see the threat of the government. I mean, think about this. Who in the world at this point in time trusts the government? I mean, who, but you know what? There's a lot of people say whatever the government wants. If they want to do, you know, if they, if they say, you know, no one goes into Lahaina and the, keep, uh, the police are going to keep people out and, and they're going to tell, the government tells us that it was global warming uh, uh, that happened in Maui and, and I guess so, I'll believe that. What person believes that in this day and time, the lies that come out of the government? Or like, we, you know, we got to give more money to Ukraine. Uh, yeah, you know, let's just, let's, let's pour more, more money, billions of dollars in, and let's not help Lahaina. Let's not help Maui. Oh, that's right. And that's right. Maui wanted to become a 15-minute city, all electric, and Bill Gates actually wanted Lahaina. And oh, by the way, um, uh, uh, the big corporations uh, wanted Lahaina. It's funny how there was no water. It's funny how there was no... Uh, uh, um, warnings or anything, very suspicious. But don't worry about it, guys. It was global warming. Global warming did it, right? If people believe that, that's, that's, they're, they're, they're checked out. They can't see the threat, okay? That's the problem. And if you can't see the threat, you go through life and people are just gonna take advantage of you and Satan will deceive you. That's what he'll do. So this is what this passage teaches, is how to see the threat. Um, and what, what you have to understand, first of all, thinking about this threat that you're gonna see in the text, is God's will brings joy to believers who actually do it, who follow him, okay? But the, when you do God's will, and those who try to oppose it, it brings conflict, Okay, so that's how life will be. It'll be great joy for you to do the will of God, but you will go right into conflict because of it, because everyone out there doesn't want to do the will of God and will oppose it. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. Think about this. This is a pro-life group as an example of what I'm saying. Pro-life, okay? So this pro-life group fires this gal, okay? She's a Christian, for saying there's no hope for any of us outside of having faith in Jesus Christ alone. Did you catch that? Not, a, not an abortion group, a pro-life group fired her for saying Jesus is the only way of salvation. 
you see that she's doing the will of God, proclaiming the will of God, and she gets fired for it. It causes conflict at a pro-life place. Crazy, huh? Brings conflict. Riley Gaines, who you know is the swimmer that Leah Thompson was, you know, uh, the whole transgender dude swimming against her. It took a lot of her awards away and, 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 and a lot of the females. Well, think about this. She doesn't even have to say anything anymore. She was letting this transgender talk uh, just rolling, and she just sat there eating a bowl of cereal watching this on TikTok, and TikTok removes her video, and she didn't speak a single word. That's conflict. You don't even have to say something, and you have conflict. Now, here's the thing. Let me show you this video. This is very disturbing. I'm very pro-law enforcement. My grandfather was a policeman in Delano for many, many years. He was a policeman in Merced, and then he was a policeman in San Francisco. So I'm very law enforcement. I'm very military-oriented because of my family. But I am seeing a disturbing trend among law enforcement, a very disturbing trend that I don't like. And, it's the, and what I've seen this summer is a series of arrests of Christians on public properties exercising their First Amendment rights on public property and then being arrested for it, okay? So what I'm trying to show to you is, is, is you state the truth and then look at the conflict that happens. So wait, so no. just because you disagree no, with our messaging... No, I'm not, this is a public park, so I'm okay. not clear at all. There's a city ordinance through the Parks Department. If they have an event that's sanctioned over 50 people and the people have to pay, like if these, like these booths pay... No, no, the, the booths, I'm not interrupting well, with any booths. Hold on a second. Yeah. Do you want to hear or do you just want to argue? Well, but... I, let me, let me fully what, go What ordinance is it? I don't know what an under ordinance is, well, but... I, I, need, part I need the ordinance number, sir. Okay, but I'm going to ask you to go across the street. Will you give me the ordinance number? Okay, I'm going to ask you to go across the street or I'm arrest you for trespassing. You've been told more than four okay, times have to, to leave the park. Okay, I'll put it in my arrest report. You're under arrest. That's it. Hey, take my camera. Take my camera. I'm in the back. It's 25 feet for an emergency area. 25 feet. Thank you. 25 feet. 25 feet. Thank you. Stay right there. 25 feet over there. Thank you, sir. Okay. So... This is not the only video that's come out this, this summer. There's been a lot of this happening. And by the way, that officer is totally wrong. I pulled it. He asked if there was an ordinance. Here's the ordinance from South Bend, Indiana. There is no ordinance for what he just said. The cop lied to him and then arrested him. Why? Why would a cop make up an ordinance and then arrest a Christian, because all the guy was saying, he uh, was uh, pro-life. And it was at an event, a public park, and he was on public sidewalk. Why would the cop do that? Why would the cop risk his career? Because what's going to happen is that cop is going to be sued for what he did. So, this, so there is no ordinance. There's the ordinance. There is no ordinance for what the cop said. And this appears to be unnecessary escalation by the officers and focus more on the policing content of speech than on proper law enforcement. Okay? That's what happened. And so, we're, we're, like I said, when you speak the word of God, it brings conflict. And now in our society, I have never seen this before, where Christians exercising free speech on a public property are now being arrested by this. By cops willing to make up an ordinance. 
That guy, I don't know what's, I mean, that guy's going to get sued for doing that. Because there is no ordinance, by the way. But why? Why is this happening? Because now we live in a day and a time where they do not like what you say. They don't like what Christians are saying anymore. And quite frankly, I've seen the military and I've seen the law enforcement. All the good law enforcement, all the good military guys are getting out of it. Okay? I've talked plenty of law enforcement in our church. And they're getting out on law enforcement because they see what's going on. And so what happens when all the good guys leave law enforcement and all the good guys leave the military? What do you have left? You get what I'm saying? That's why the conflicts are happening. Because we have atheistic cops in there that actually hate Christianity and are now starting to arrest Christians for it. That reminds me of another era in history. Anyway... You have to see the threat. You have to understand that what you say will bring conflict. Here's the joy, but then I'll show you the conflict of doing the will of God. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, uh, and he had said, um, the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Basically, the concept, uh, what was happening in, in the context is that Abraham and Sarah are waiting to have this miraculous child. God has already told her she's going to have a child within the year, and now it happens. She's going to have the child, okay? For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, and at, uh, at the set time in which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac, or Yitzhak, or laughter, okay? Keep the idea of laughter. Now, the concept that, that Moses is, is working with is in one camp, it will be joy because of the miraculous birth of Yitzhak, and that's where his name comes from, laughter, okay? That Abraham laughed in joy, Sarah laughed in, in, in a lack of faith, but the concept is the believers who are doing the will of God experience joy, Okay, this is the miraculous birth of a child. Why is this important? Because this child will carry on the Abrahamic covenant and then will birth another child who will carry on the Abrahamic covenant. And then that child will birth the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we have the nation of Israel who will eventually produce the Messiah. Okay, so this is everything. This is a big deal because it, uh, it produces the Messiah. It's the line of the Messiah, which is important. Keep that in mind. Okay, then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as, as the custom was, and then that will be put into Mosaic law, as God had commanded him. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son uh, Yitzhak was born to him. Now, here's the thing about waiting on God. Abraham and Sarah have waited 25 years, 25 years, Till, the, till that promise came to fruition when God first told them, 25 years. And you think, wow, that's a long time. Well, 12 years is a long time waiting for a building too. It's, I, can, I get it. Uh, it's not 25 years, but it's a long time. And, and you, 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 you just project yourself into Abraham. And if, if you're waiting for the Lord, he'll tell you, hey, this is what I want. But that, that fruition of the promise will be delayed. And there will be a test of whether you can, you can stand the test. And just quite frankly, um, someone asked me, uh, how many people from the original group that started with you, Brandon, are still here? And basically, out of the 78, 26 remain, 33%. How did they make it? How did they make it through 12 years? I can tell you this. 
Everybody's had their trouble. Satan will attack you and try to derail you from what you're doing on God's mission. And, and, and as you're waiting, that derailment will happen. But what happens is you, the issues will come and you have to deal with them. And you have to fight through those things. And if you're, you, you don't want to fight, you, don't wanna, you, you, you surrender to what Satan is doing, he'll sift you. He'll sift you right out, man. And it's a, it's a very scary thing to watch. And I don't, you know, I, I, I get it. So when I look at this and them waiting that long, you have to understand within 25 years, there was a lot of trouble and, and trials that they had to go through to get there. And uh, I think that's the lesson from all of this. Even in now, if you're waiting, to, you know, you have direction from the Lord that this is what he wants you to do, there's always a delay. And the delay is a test the delay is to allow Satan to, to hinder you to see if you'll push through the hindrances. So it's hard. It's very hard. So I, I can totally get this. <clears throat> so the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, in the Hebraic culture back then, instead of celebrating a birthday, they actually celebrated your weaning day. That's how they focused uh, on celebration. So the weaning day. So... Yitzhak is about two to three years old, okay? Two to three. He's a little toddler at this point in time, okay? Now, remember, doing the will of God is joyful, but it brings conflict, doesn't it? Now, here's the conflict. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Scoffing, okay? So they're having this party, having a feast for the weaning day, like a birthday party, and here's what Moses is trying to say, and this is where the conflict's starting to happen. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian. Notice, it says Hagar the Egyptian. So what is Moses doing is showing you that, that this boy doesn't belong and that this boy that Abraham had conceived with Hagar is not part of the Abrahamic covenant plan. And, and, and Hagar and remember Sarah have had their problems. Well, the problems still exist. And what's happened is Hagar despises Sarah and Sarah despises Hagar. But the, the, here's the thing. The despising of Hagar has now passed on to her son Ishmael. Okay. Ishmael is about 17 to 20 years old, okay? 17 to 20 years old, and Yitzhak is about two to three years old, okay? So it's trying to portray that there's a problem here. And the last word is what we want to capitalize on, the scoffing in the Hebrew, okay? And the scoffing word is uh, tzazak, or tzazak, Okay, and you're like, what's, what's that amount? Well, it's, a, it's it can, it, the root of it is laughter, okay? The root of it is laughter. Just like Isaac's name is uh, laughter, the root of Sazak is laughter too, but it's used in a different way. It's in the PL stem in the Hebrew, which means it's intensified big time. It's like a word, uh, like, he, uh, I don't know, um, if you said it's big, it's really, 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 really big is what the PL stem does in Hebrew. And it is referring to a laughter, but more of a mocking. And there's a deceptive activity in the mocking. 
and that, that whatever is happening is proving to be harmful, okay? So let's, let's, let's drill down a little bit more. So this is not just some kid joking around, an older kid joking around. Uh, to Zach, to Zach um, in other passages is used in a different connotation. Uh, Isaac had lied about his, his wife, Rebecca, and said he, she wasn't his wife. And then the king sees him tzakking with Rebecca. And he says, that's your wife. And tzakking means a sexual play. Okay, it's a, it's a laughing sexual play. Okay, Joseph was accused by Potiphar's wife of trying to tzakking uh, you know, uh, Potiphar's wife and the court there. And so he's accused of, of, of sexual play. And then uh, when the golden calf thing happened, when Moses was on the mountain with God and they went crazy with the golden calf and they were dancing erotic around the golden calf, you remember that scene? Um, it will use the same word, tzakim, uh, which means that they were sexually plain around the golden calf. So we know it's, it was totally erotica. There's sexual connotations all over the place. Okay. That being the case, something is a lot deeper than just him laughing at the little boy. You're catching the drift here where it's going? It's possible he's doing something sexually or molesting the child. Possibly. Okay, possibly, with that being the case. Now, the Apostle Paul used a word in Greek, dioko, uh, dioko, when he interpreted the situation. And he says in Galatians 4, now we brethren, as, as Isaac was, are children of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. And the word persecuted, again, is the Greek word, dioko, dioko. And so when Paul, and I think I'm gonna listen to Paul, interprets the situation, he says, no, what was happening was not just simply him laughing at him, he was actually persecuting the little boy, and it possibly could mean there was a sexual involvement as well. So now it brings a whole new light on things, okay? So there is the conflict, obviously. The conflict is stemming from someone, this boy, who has the same hatred passed on from Hagar to him, and now he's gonna vent that hatred on the promised child and try to eliminate the line. That's what's at stake here. This is not some boy playing, he's about 20 years old. He understands what's happening and he's now going to formally persecute. And why would you physically persecute somebody? What are you trying to do to them? Eliminate them. That's the only purpose that people would physically persecute you. Okay, I just showed you a picture of someone getting arrested. They, don't, they want it silenced. But when someone says, I'm going to hurt you, they're trying to take you out. That's what he's trying to do. So we, this is totally satanic. Totally a satanic attack on the line of the Messiah right in front of you through Ishmael. Now, we know a little bit about 
uh, Ishmael, right? We, we know the background of him. So again, what we have here then is it's a deceptive, possibly sexual ridicule, mocking, jealousy uh, that, po- that possesses a physical threat to him. Okay, that's, and, and, and really, Sarah's gonna catch it. She's the only one that sees it. And, and the idea is, she's gonna go to Abraham and say, you've gotta stop this because it threatens his physical life is what's going on here. And this would be somebody trying to hinder the plan of God and the will of God, right? So here's, let's go back and refresh our minds of what God said about Ishmael, what God said to Abraham and Sarah, and why he's not the child of promise, why Yitzhak is. He said he's a wild man, a wild donkey of a man. It's pere, uh, pere in Hebrew, and it means that he will be nomadic. He, he will not have a land of his own. God is not giving him land. He's only given Yitzhak and the 12 tribes of Israel later on, and Israel the land. So he's nomadic, okay? He will roam, and he will have to find a land separate outside of the land of Israel. But the problem is, he will always want the land of Israel. See, it, the opposition is he wants what Yitzhak has, which is the Abrahamic covenant and, and the land grant. He, he wants that, this, this person. And then his progenitors will want it as well. Okay, and so, um, so the first thing, oop, I mean, I think I, yeah, there we go. Uh, so the first thing we have to do before we go any further is you have to recognize the threat, okay? So I want you to think about it in your own lives. God has a plan for you, and you're doing the will of God, hopefully, and that you're on that plan, and it's set out f- for you, Okay? Satan is going to do everything he can to prevent you from accomplishing that plan. He will put hindrances in front of you. He will put all kinds of things to discourage you and prevent you from moving forward. And you have to recognize that for what it is. Okay? Because think about this. In the last 12 years, we have had tons of hindrances. In this last year, we've had tons of hindrances from getting into that building. But what, was been, what, what have we done? We have saw the threat for what it is and we pushed through with God's strength. We just kept pushing through, pushing through. You cannot let Satan knock you off, but you must discern the serpent. You must discern what's preventing you. And quite frankly, it could be a family member. It could be a, a habit. It could be a mismanagement of time. It could be anything you have to be able to see it. I'm going to show you in just a bit how to discern that, but the the beginning of this, you have to be able to spot it, okay? So what am I looking for in my life? I'm looking for anything that, that which threatens or hinders God's work in our life, and it must be removed. You cannot coexist with the threat that prevents you from doing the will of God, okay? And that's what you're going to see Sarah do. She's going to take things, matters into her hands and say, look, We've got to stop this. That 20-year-old Ishmael is going to eventually kill our child. We've got to stop it. Okay. Why? Well, first of all, so that the will of God will be accomplished through your life. If you allow threats to hinder you, you won't accomplish God's will, and you're missing out on getting rewards. The other thing is that 
you want to function under God's blessing. You can't function if you stop doing the will of God. If you allow the hindrances to stop you, you just won't do it. And so many people, I can tell you this, are, 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 are DQ'd by their family. Their families DQ them because there's stuff going on in their family and it becomes a distraction and they have to focus in on that and not realizing that that focus is getting them off of the will of God. So if you want to function under the blessing of God, remove hindrances. And the last thing is your faith. What do you mean? Well, God has laid out for you, he already has plans, all the works you're supposed to do. He already has a plan. Ephesians uh, 2.10 says, he has prepared your good works beforehand. He didn't prepare uh, prepare your salvation, he prepared your good works. And your job is to fulfill those good works. But if you allow hindrances and threats, you won't be able to do that. You won't be able to accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to accomplish Everything he laid out for me, everything, 100%. I don't want Satan trying to trip me up and prevent me from doing that. So you have to be laser beam focused on on the will of God and willing to remove threats. But I haven't told you why people don't, so hold on to that, okay? Well, look at this. This is what I, I mentioned, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before and that we should, notice the word should, walk in them. Should. Should. It's not a guarantee. So every believer has a plan that God has for them, right? It's not a guarantee that they will do it. It all depends on if they can see the threat and get it out, Okay? Let's continue on about Ishmael's character. He's a wild donkey of a man. We got that, right? And then his hand shall be against every man. So basically, he and his descendants will be the aggressor towards Israel, right? That's what Ishmael's doing. And God is saying this. So this is not just me saying this or Moses. God is saying this is the disposition of this boy. And this will also be the disposition of his progenitors, all, all, all the, the ancestry of him will be like this. They will be the aggressor against Yitzhak. Okay. He continues on and he says, every man's hand against him. Why? Because once he's the aggressor, people will retaliate against him. He, they, he will attack first and then people will have to retaliate against him, which is exactly what's going on in the Middle East, right? He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. What does that mean? Instead of going out and finding his own land, he will dwell right next to the land given to Yitzhak, given to Israel. He won't spread out. He will always surround Israel and live right next to them as a thorn in their side. Again, this is God saying that, not me. So guess what we have on the ground, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Hamas, uh, Fatah, right? Hezbollah, that's all. That's, that's Ishmael. He still exists. These are his descendants, the Arab peoples. Okay? This is what they teach their kids. The kids are pretending to be Israeli soldiers and you can see the little girl being a martyr. This is how they teach their kids. This is Ishmael. This is Ishmael persecuting Yitzhak. This is Ishmael. Get a good understanding about it. 
This hatred that started with Hagar and Ishmael is still with us today. Look at this. Who does this to children? Oh, I guess our education does this to children when they try to uh, groom them into being all, all kinds of weird things. Can you imagine? People don't realize, and they want to be anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian. Look at that. This is what you want to support? This is what you want to give millions of dollars to? That's all they train their kids to be. And then they call the, the, the Jews just blood suckers, you know, blood libels and all kinds of crazy stuff. Understand, this is Ishmael persecuting Yitzhak. Nothing's changed. Look how Ishmael is surrounded in Israel. Do you understand? That's all the enemies of Israel surround her, and they're all descendants of Ishmael. Look at it. Exactly what God said. Now you can kind of you can now sympathize with Israel how difficult it is to live with Ishmael at your borders. Now here's a, a thing that I, 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 I want to bring to your attention before we move on. Currently right now, there's some type of deal being worked out with the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Israel. You need to pay attention to this one. This is not good. But it does line up the players for Gog of Magog. Okay? And a lot of things going on here, and I don't want to get into all the details. But MBS is the guy who ordered the killing of Khashoggi and sliced him up. Remember that? The Saudis are pretty brutal people, okay? The, the, the government, okay? And the, 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 and the crown prince and that, that group. Um, they are Ishmael's descendants, okay? And then the White House is brokering a deal with Israel to normalize relationships between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And, and they're gonna allow Saudi Arabia to have a nuclear program. Um, and really, it's really, for, Israel, for the United States, is to keep China out of that area. Uh, um, and so they're all, all three of them are trying to do a deal. Okay. The point is, it actually sets up the alignment of the Gog of Magog protesters. Because we are the young lines of Tarshish, and then Sheba and Dedan is Saudi Arabia. So when Israel is invaded by Russian, Iranian, Turkey, Libya, Sudan coalition, Gog of Magog invasion, America and Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia, sit back and say, why do you attack Israel? And so we're actually watching the players actually get put in place for the Gog of Magog invasion as they're doing a deal. Now, What's the takeaway? What, what's what my point about showing you this? Not only is prophecy lining up, but number two, nobody in the U.S. Department or Israel should ever do a deal with Ishmael. Ever. You cannot trust Ishmael based on what God has said. And I would like to go to somebody in the State Department. Please understand. Look what this, the scripture says about him. And look at the religion that they practice. The religion that they practice tells them they can lie. Who does a deal with somebody that says, I can lie for my religion? Who does a deal with Ishmael? I, I, I wish somebody could tell Netanyahu, don't do anything with them. Don't. Don't do anything with them. They will turn on you like a sheep-killing dog. But are they going to listen to the Bible? No. They're going to do deals. Therefore, this is now Sarah dealing with it. 
She said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son, namely with Yitzhak. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. Now, God bless Sarah. She spots it. She sees it. And she goes to Abraham, her spiritual head, and says, you've got to do something about it. He is threatening the line. Now, Abraham is displeasing. We don't know why he's displeased. Maybe because he loves Ishmael. That's his son. I get that. But he had to become aware that, oh my goodness, this 20-year-old is wanting to basically kill a two- and three-year-old. Very displeasing. I mean, talk about a dysfunctional family. That's it. Right there, someone wants to kill someone else? Wow, that's dysfunction. So don't ever feel bad if you have dysfunction in your family. Abraham had it too, right? Now, God's gonna come in and intervene and actually, so that Abraham understands that, that Sarah's not just emotional and she's just taking up arms for Yitzhak. God says it. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Oh, that's it, okay? That's the confirmation that Sarah's right. Because it is through Isaac that your offering, offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, the Arab people, because he is your offspring as well. So what God is saying is, look, man, Sarah's right. You have to, exp you have to expulse, uh, expulse the boy out because he is a threat. Don't worry about the boy. I will provide and protect for the boy because he's your offspring. I will make him a great nation. But Abraham, get rid of him now is the idea. Get him out of the camp. He is going to threaten everything that, we have, that I am trying to do. So God is on board here, okay? So, We'll look at the expulsion of what happens later next week, or no, the week after, I think, because um, I'm gonna preach a different message next week. But they do the right thing. As, as hard as it is to watch the scene of, okay, he has to send the boy and, and Hagar out, it is to preserve the Messiah's line. You have to understand that what's at stake here. It's a big deal. It prevents the will of God if this is to, to happen, okay? So it happens. Okay, so now bring it to us. Why, why is it that we don't see the threat? And if we do see the threat, why don't we end it? Why don't we cut it off? Because they just cut it off. And God says, get them out, get them out. Now, now, get them out, it's time. Well, a couple things I wanna do and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. Typically, the reason we don't see it or we don't end it is because we want something to work so bad, but it's unfixable. And you have to realize in life, when dealing with people, that if they don't go to God, and they don't do the right things, and repent, and, 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 and want to change, and be willing to lay down their will to do God's will, they're not changing. Okay, they're not changing unless they are willing to change. Okay, there's an old counseling line. Let me give you the counseling line. People are hopeless unless they want to change. And I think that's good. They are hopeless unless they want to change. 
And so what people try to do, they want to make it work. They just got, we're going to give it our old college try. And I know it worked. And they won't see the reality that you can't fix this. You just can't fix this. I, I, look, look at, uh, give me, give me an example. Do you really think we're going to fix the educational system? It's unfixable. It's totally unfixable, isn't it? As an example. But yet other people don't discern what you're seeing. They're like, well, we just got to get the right people in there. Got to go. No, no, it's over. It's over. Next year, if the United States government puts our medical under the World Health Organization, you're not fixing the World Health Organization. Tedros is a card-carrying communist who wants to control the entire world. You're not fixing it then at that point. You understand? Two, we start accepting certain levels of dysfunction. Now, thank God Sarah saw the dysfunction and said, God, he's out of here, man. But it's amazing. I'll go into counseling sessions with people and they'll tell me what's going on in their home and you're like, oh my goodness. And you have to, you have to really control yourself and say, uh-huh, yeah, wow, hmm. And in the back of my mind, I want to say, what? You're doing what? what? I, and you just got to keep your demeanor. But what I'm, what I'm reacting to is I'm seeing high, high levels of dysfunction in the house. And they're like totally used to it. That's how they roll. And what starts happening is they, they, they won't cut the dysfunction off because they've normalized the dysfunction. And they don't, let it, they don't cut it off. So the, that dysfunction prevents them from doing the will of God. Three, they ignore the track record with people. What do you mean? Well, if you want to know, like, hey, what can I expect from this person going forward? Well, it's real simple. The Bible advocates this. Look at their history. Their history, and even what they're currently doing right now, history and present, will tell you what to expect from the future, okay? So if the person is, is not working on themselves, not trying to get better, what are they illustrating to you? What can you expect from them in the future? Nothing, nothing, because their history is showing you, I don't work on myself, I'm not trying to be the best Christian I can, I'm not trying to be more like Christ. Their history is telling you that. So why would I expect them, yeah, let's put him in charge of this, why would I do that? I'm not going to ignore the history, but people don't look at history. I see this in dating. They'll hook up with somebody, and they don't go over the history of the person. What are you, crazy? You could have an axe murderer, and, you, and you're not, uh, well, I don't care about her past. The past isn't the past. No, she just, she just it's an axe murderer. She just got out of jail. What are you doing? Oh, no, that's in the past, Brent. Oh, no, no. I look at the past. You could kill me too. <laughs> now, here's the big one. Enablement. Boy, have you seen this in your families? Oh, my gosh. It just, they won't end it. They won't cut it off. They won't cut the dysfunction off because somebody in the family is the enabler, right? It'll be some mom, it'll be a dad, it'll be an aunt, it'll be a grandma, it'll be somebody. And everyone's like saying, hey, we're going to put boundaries and limitations on this individual. But grandma or mom won't. 
And grandma and mom just keep feeding the problem. Well, I feel sorry for him. He's a victim of life. Yeah, but hey, you gotta cut this behavior off. He can't keep functioning like this. But there's always behind it. Every addict is an enabler, right? Tradition, as Tevye said in Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition. Brandon, you don't understand. We're not gonna change anything. This is the way we've always done things. We're always gonna rock and roll like this. This is how our family functions. Tradition will prevent you from uh, doing the will of God, by the way. Because God is not about human tradition, okay? Allah, the Jewish tradition, okay? I'm not talking about Jewish law, the Mosaic law. I'm talking about the Pharisees' tradition got in the way of things, didn't it, as an example? Fear of confrontation. People just don't want to do it. They don't want to cut it off. Sarah wasn't afraid because what was at risk? The boy's going to get killed. I have got to step in. Most people, they're afraid of confrontation, but the real issue is they're not as protective as they actually should be. They're not as loving as they should be because love confronts and wants to protect, but they won't do it. Fear of the pain of loss. Because if you have to confront somebody and you have to cut it off, you could possibly lose that relationship, right? Yeah, that's a very good possibility and you experience pain. Fear of moving on to the new season. There's new seasons in life. They happen to you all the time and people get stuck in a season and then that season's over and they won't leave it and it's time to move on. We're moving on, but they don't. They want, they're afraid and so they won't cut it off. They won't say no. They won't put boundaries and limitations. And lastly, they feel that, that if they do cut something off, that it means that they're a failure. Okay? Now think about this as Abraham and Sarah. Or just let's just take it Abraham. It's very possible that Abraham is looking at the situation and possibly thinking. How did he turn Ishmael turn out like that? He's my own son. So I must have failed as a father in not, in not teaching him correctly about Yahweh. You, you had, you, I, I tried to put myself in those shoes with Abraham and thinking, what happened to this 20-year-old now that I raised to know Yahweh who is actually the becoming the persecutor of Yahweh's will? What happened? You would have to imagine, because I would as a parent, like, dude, where did I fail? Oh my goodness, man. And so, so it, it, to, 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 honestly, to let Ishmael go, you would have to say, man, I, I, I failed. But I, you have to do it because he's gonna threaten. But you, you would have to admit, Matt, somehow I failed on this. That's hard. That's really hard. But here's the application, and we'll leave with this. Look what Hebrews says. Whatever the reason is for holding us back, look what the admonition is in Hebrew. Let us lay aside every weight. What is the weight right now holding you back from doing the will of God? And the sin is a sin holding you back, right? That so easily ensnares us. By the way, you can't see snares, by the way. Because typically, if you made a bird snare, a snare is coming from a more intelligent creature to another lesser intelligent creature, and the bird can't see the snare, can he? 
can't see it. So you have a little box with a little stick and you put food in the little bird and you pull the stick out. And the, it, so a snare is something that happens to you that you can't see. So how would I see it? The only way you can see it is through God, doing the will of God. When you do the will of God, you have discernment and you can see it. You won't be able to see the snares without God. But anyway, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's your race? What's getting in the way of that race? And how do you keep your focus? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is at the finish line. He's waving you down saying, I'm here. Focus on me as you run. Remove the hindrances. Come all the way to me. Keep running. Don't let anything stumble you. I'm right here. And when you get there and you ran your race well, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You made it. I want to make it to that finish line, don't you? Let's do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, what we can learn from this situation. Wow, tough situation. But help us to remove the threats in our life that prevent us from doing your will. We want to run unencumbered, without weights on us, without sin holding us back of what you called us to do. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know your son, they would come to faith in him today. Understanding that Christ died for them on a cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day to offer everlasting life to anyone who believes. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.